Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Greatest Love Stories and The Sun Also Rises by Ernest Hemingway. Today, chapters 9 and 10. And now, chapter 9. The Ledoux Kid Francis fight was the night of the 20th of June. It was a good fight. The morning after the fight, I had a letter from Robert Cohn, written from Hendai. He was having a very quiet time, he said, bathing, playing some golf, and much bridge. Hendai had a splendid beach, but he was anxious to start on the fishing trip. When would I be down? If I would buy him a double-tapered line, he would pay me when I came down. That same morning, I wrote Cone from the office that Bill and I would leave Paris on the 25th unless I wired him otherwise, and would meet him at Bayonne, where we could get a bus over the mountains to Pamplona. The same evening, about 7 o'clock, I stopped in at the Select to see Michael and Brett. They were not there, and I went over to the Dingo. They were inside, sitting at the bar. "'Hello, darling.' "'Brett put out her hand. "'Hello, Jake,' Mike said. "'I understand I was tight last night.' "'Weren't you, though?' Brett said. "'Disgraceful business.' "'Look,' said Mike. "'When do you go down to Spain? "'Would you mind if we came down with you?' "'Yeah, sure. "'It'd be grand.' "'You wouldn't mind, really? "'I've been at Pamplona, you know. "'Brett's mad to go. "'You sure we wouldn't be just a bloody nuisance?' "'Nah, don't talk like a fool. "'I'm a little tight, you know. "'I wouldn't ask you like this if I weren't. "'You're sure you don't mind?' "'Oh, shut up, Michael,' Brett said. "'How can the man say he'd mind now? "'I'll ask him later. "'But you don't mind, do you? "'Don't ask me that again, Mike, "'unless you want to make me sore. "'Bill and I are going down on the morning of the 25th. "'By the way, where is Bill?' Brett asked. He's out at Chantilly, dining with some people. He's a good chap. Splendid chap, said Mike. He is, you know. You don't remember him, Brett said. I do. Remember him perfectly. Look, Jake, we'll come down the night of the 25th. Brett can't get up in the morning. Indeed not. If our money comes, and you're sure you don't mind. It'll come all right. I'll see to that. "'Tell me what tackle to send for.' "'Get two or three rods with reels and lines and some flies.' "'I won't fish,' Brett put in. "'Get two rods, then, and Bill won't have to buy one.' "'Right,' said Mike. "'I'll send a wire to the keeper.' "'Won't it be splendid?' Brett said. "'Spain! We'll have fun.' "'The 25th. When is that?' "'Saturday.' "'Well, we'll have to get ready,' 
"'I say,' said Mike, "'I'm going to the barber's.' "'I must bathe,' said Brett. "'Walk up to the hotel with me, Jake. "'Be a good chap.' "'We've got the loveliest hotel,' Mike said. "'I think it's a brothel.' "'We left our bags here at the Dingo when we got in, "'and they asked us at this hotel "'if we wanted a room for the afternoon only. "'Seemed frightfully pleased we were going to stay all night. "'I believe it's a brothel,' Mike said, "'and I should know.' "'Oh, shut it and go get your hair cut.' Mike went out. Brett and I sat at the bar. Have another? She asked. Might? I needed that, Brett said. We walked up the Rue de l'Ambre. I haven't seen you since I've been back, Brett said. No. How are you, Jake? Fine. Brett looked at me. I say, she said, is Robert Cohn going on this trip? Yes, why? Don't you think it would be a bit rough on him? Why should it? Who did you think I went down to San Sebastian with? Congratulations, I said. We walked along. What did you say that for? I don't know. What would you like me to say? We walked along and turned a corner. He behaved rather well, too. He gets a little dull. Oh, does he? I rather thought it would be good for him. You might take up social service. Don't be nasty. I won't. Didn't you really know? No, I said. I guess I didn't think about it. Do you think it would be too rough on him? That's up to him, I said. Tell him you're coming. He can always not come. I'll write him and give him a chance to pull out of it. I did not see Brett again until the night of the 24th of June. Did you hear from Cone? Rather, he's keen about it. My God! I thought it was rather odd myself. Says he can't wait to see me. Does he think you're coming alone? No, I told him we were all coming down together, Michael and all. He's wonderful. Isn't he? They expected their money the next day. We arranged to meet at Pamplona. They would go directly to San Sebastian and take the train from there. We would all meet at the Montoya in Pamplona. If they did not turn up on Monday at the latest, we would go on ahead up to Burgett in the mountains to start fishing. There was a bus to Burgett. I wrote out an itinerary so they could follow us. Bill and I took the morning train from the Gare d'Orsay. It was a lovely day, not too hot, and the country was beautiful from the start. We went back into the diner and had breakfast. Leaving the dining car, I asked the conductor for tickets for the first service. Nothing until the fifth. What's this? There were never more than two servings of lunch on that train, and always plenty of places for both of them. Ah, they're all reserved, the dining car conductor said. There will be a fifth service at 3.30. This is serious. I said to Bill. Give him ten francs. Here, I said. We want to eat in the first service. The conductor put the ten francs in his pocket. Thank you, he said. I would advise you gentlemen to get some sandwiches. All the places for the first four services were reserved at the office of the company. You'll go a long way, brother, Bill said to him in English. 
"'I suppose if I'd given you five francs, "'you would have advised us to jump off the train. "'Gome? "'Go to hell!' said Bill. "'Get the sandwiches made and a bottle of wine. "'You tell him, Jake. "'And send it up to the next car.' "'I described where we were. "'In our compartment were a man and his wife and their young son. "'I suppose you're Americans, aren't you?' the man asked. "'Having a good trip?' "'Wonderful,' said Bill. "'That's what you want to do. Travel while you're young. "'Mother and I always wanted to get over, but we had to wait a while. "'You could have come over ten years ago if you'd wanted to,' the wife said. "'What you always said was, see America first. "'I will say we've seen a good deal. Take it one way and another.' "'Say, there's plenty of Americans on this train,' the husband said. "'They've got seven cars of them from Dayton, Ohio. "'They've been on a pilgrimage to Rome, "'and now they're going down to Biritz and Lourdes.' "'So that's what they are, huh? Pilgrims! Goddamn Puritans!' Bill said. "'What part of the state you boys from?' "'Kansas City,' I said. "'He's from Chicago. "'You both going to Biritz?' "'No, we're going fishing in Spain.' "'Well, I never cared for it myself. "'There's plenty that do out where I come from, though. "'We got some of the best fishing in the state of Montana. "'I've been out with the boys, but I never cared for it any.' "'Mighty little fishing you did on them trips,' his wife said. "'And he winked at us. "'You know how the ladies are. "'If there's a jug goes along or a case of beer, "'they think it's hell and damnation.' "'That's the way men are,' his wife said to us. "'She smoothed her comfortable lap.' I voted against prohibition to please him, and because I like a little beer in the house. And then he talks that way. It's a wonder they ever find anyone to marry them. Say, said Bill, do you know that gang of pilgrim fathers have cornered the dining car till till half-past three this afternoon? How do you mean? They can't do a thing like that. You try and get seats. Well, mother, it looks as though we'd better go back and get another breakfast. She stood up and straightened her dress. "'Will you boys keep an eye on our things? "'Come on, Hubert.' "'They all three went up to the wagon restaurant. "'A little while after they were gone, "'a steward went through announcing the first service, "'and pilgrims, with their priests, "'commenced filing down the corridor. "'Our friend and his family did not come back. "'A waiter passed in the corridor with our sandwiches "'and the bottle of Chablis, and we called him in. "'You'll be working today,' I said. "'He nodded his head.' They start now at 10.30. When do we eat? Huh, when do I eat? He said. He left two glasses for the bottle, and we paid him for the sandwiches and tipped him. I'll get the plates, he said, or bring them with you. We ate the sandwiches and drank the Chablis and watched the country out of the window. The grain was just beginning to ripen, and the fields were full of poppies. The pasture land was green, and there were fine trees, and sometimes big rivers and chateaux off in the trees. At Tours, we got off and bought another bottle of wine, and when we got back in the compartment, the gentleman from Montana and his wife and his son, Hubert, were sitting comfortably. "'Is there good swimming in Biritz?' asked Hubert. "'That boy's just crazy till he can get in the water,' his mother said. "'It's pretty hard on youngsters traveling.' "'Yeah, there's good swimming,' I said. "'But it's dangerous when it's rough.' "'Did you get a meal?' Bill asked. "'We sure did,' 
"'We sat right there when they started to come in, "'and they must have just thought we were in the party. "'One of the waiters said something to us in French, "'and then they just sent three of them back. "'They thought we were snappers, all right,' the man said. "'It certainly shows you the power of the Catholic Church. "'It's a pity you boys ain't Catholic. "'You could get a meal then, all right.' "'I am,' I said. "'That's what makes me so sore.' "'Finally, at a quarter past four, we had lunch. "'Bill had been rather difficult at the last. "'He buttonholed a priest who was coming back "'with one of the returning streams of pilgrims. "'When do us Protestants get a chance to eat, Father?' "'I don't know anything about it. "'Haven't you got tickets?' "'It's enough to make a man join the clan," Bill said. "'The priest looked back at him. "'Inside the dining car, the waiter served the fifth successive table dote meal. The waiter who served us was soaked through. His white jacket was purple under the arms. He must drink a lot of wine. Either that or wear purple undershirts. Let's ask him. Nah, he's too tired. The train stopped for half an hour at Bordeaux, and we went out to the station for a little walk. There was not time to get into the town. Afterward, we passed through the land and watched the sun set. There were wide fire gaps cut through the pines, and you could look up them like avenues and see wooded hills way off. About 7.30 we had dinner and watched the country through the open window in the diner. It was all sandy pine country, full of heather. There were little clearings with houses in them, and once in a while we passed a sawmill. It got dark, and we could feel the country hot and sandy and dark outside of the window, and about nine o'clock we got into Bayonne. The man and his wife and Hubert all shook hands with us. They were going on to La Negresse to change for Buritz. "'Well, I hope you had lots of luck,' he said. "'Be careful about those bullfights.' "'Maybe we'll see you at Buritz,' Hubert said. We got off with our bags and rod cases and passed through the dark station and out to the lights and the line of cabs and hotel buses. There, standing with the hotel runners, was Robert Cohn. He didn't see us at first. Then he started forward. Hey, hello, Jake. Have a good trip. Fine, I said. This is Bill Gorton. How are you? Come on, said Robert. I've got a cab. He was a little nearsighted. I had never noticed it before. He was looking at Bill, trying to make him out. He was shy, too. We'll go up to my hotel. It's all right. It's quite nice. We got into the cab, and the cabman put the bags up on the seat beside him and climbed up and cracked his whip, and we drove over the dark bridge and into the town. I'm awfully glad to meet you, Robert said to Bill. I've heard so much about you from Jake, and I've read your books. Did you get my line, Jake? The cab stopped in front of the hotel, and we all got out and went in. It was a nice hotel, and the people at the desk were very cheerful and we each had a good small room. We'll return with Chapter 10 of The Sun Also Rises right after these sponsor messages. And now Chapter 10 of The Sun Also Rises by Ernest Hemingway. In the morning it was bright, and they were sprinkling the streets of the town, and we all had breakfast in a cafe. Bayonne is a nice town, it is like a very clean Spanish town, and it is on a big river. Already, so early in the morning, 
"'It was very hot on the bridge across the river. "'We walked out on the bridge "'and then took a walk through the town. "'I was not at all sure Mike's rods "'would come from Scotland in time, "'so we hunted a tackle store "'and finally bought a rod for Bill "'upstairs over a dry goods store. "'The man who sold the tackle was out, "'and we had to wait for him to come back. "'Finally he came in, "'and we bought a pretty good rod cheap "'and two landing nets.' We went out into the street again and took a look at the cathedral. Cohn made some remark about it being a very good example of something or other. I forget what. It seemed like a nice cathedral, nice and dim, like Spanish churches. Then we went up past the old fort and out to the local syndicate, the initiative office, where the bus was supposed to start from. There, they told us, the bus service did not start until the 1st of July. "'We found out at the tourist office "'what we ought to pay for a motor car to Pamplona "'and hired one at a big garage just around the corner "'from the municipal theater for 400 francs. "'The car was to pick us up at the hotel in 40 minutes, "'and we stopped at the cafe on the square "'where we had eaten breakfast and had a beer. "'It was hot, but the town had a cool, fresh, early morning smell, "'and it was pleasant sitting in the cafe. "'A breeze started to blow, "'and you could feel that the air came from the sea.' There were pigeons out in the square, and the houses were a yellow, sun-baked color, and I didn't want to leave the cafe. But we had to go to the hotel to get our bags packed and pay the bill. We paid for the beers, we matched, and I think Cone paid, and went up to the hotel. It was only 16 francs apiece for Bill and me, with 10% added for the service, and we had the bags sent down and waited for Robert Cone. While we were waiting, I saw a cockroach on the parquet floor that must have been at least three inches long. I pointed him out to Bill and then put my shoe on him. We agreed he must have just come in from the garden. It was really an awfully clean hotel. Cone came down, finally, and we all went out to the car. It was a big, closed car with a driver in a white duster with blue collar and cuffs, and we had him put the back of the car down. He piled in the bags, and we started off up the street and out of the town. We passed some lovely gardens and had a good look back at the town, and then we were out in the country, green and rolling, and the road climbing all the time. We passed lots of basques with oxen, or cattle, hauling carts along the road, and nice farmhouses, low roofs, and all white plastered. In the Basque country, the land all looks very rich and green, and the houses and villages looked well off and clean. Every village had a pelota court, and on some of them kids were playing in the hot sun. There were signs on the walls of the churches saying it was forbidden to play pelota against them, and the houses and the villages had red-tiled roofs, and then the road turned off and commenced to climb, and we were going way up close along a hillside, with a valley below and hills stretched off back toward the sea. You couldn't see the sea. It was too far away. You could see only hills and more hills, and you knew where the sea was. We crossed the Spanish frontier. There was a little stream and a bridge, and Spanish carabiners, with patent leather Bonaparte hats, and short guns on their backs, on one side, and on the other, fat Frenchmen in kepis and mustaches. They only opened one bag and took the passports in and looked at them. There was a general store and inn on each side of the line. The chauffeur had to go in and fill out some papers about the car, and we got out and went over to the stream to see if there were any trout. 
Bill tried to talk some Spanish to one of his carabiners. But it didn't go very well. Robert Cohn asked, pointing with his finger, if there were any trout in the stream, and the carabiner said yes, but not many. I asked him if he ever fished, and he said no, he didn't care for it. Just then an old man with long, sunburned hair and beard, and clothes that looked as though they were made of gunny sacks, came striding up to the bridge. He was carrying a long staff, and he had a kid slung on his back, tied by the four legs, the billy goat's head hanging down. The carabiner waved him back with his sword. The man turned without saying anything, and started back up the white road into Spain. "'What's the matter with the old one?' I asked. "'He hasn't got any passport.' I offered the guard a cigarette. He took it and thanked me. "'What will he do?' I asked. The guard spat in the dust. "'Oh, he'll just wade across the stream.' "'Do you have much smuggling?' "'Oh,' he said, "'they go through.' The chauffeur came out, folding up the papers and putting them in the inside pocket of his coat. We all got in the car, and it started up the white, dusty road into Spain. For a while the country was much as it had been, then, climbing all the time. We crossed the top of a coal, the road winding back and forth on itself, and then it was really Spain. There were long brown mountains and a few pines and far-off forests of beech trees on some of the mountainsides. The road went along the summit of the coal and then dropped down, and the driver had to honk and slow up, and turn out to avoid running into two donkeys that were sleeping in the road. We came down out of the mountains and through an oak forest, and there were white cattle grazing in the forest. Down below there were grassy plains and clear streams, and then we crossed a stream and went through a gloomy little village, and started to climb again. We climbed up and up, and crossed another high coal, and turned along it, and the road ran down to the right, and we saw a whole new range of mountains off to the south, all brown and baked-looking and furrowed in strange shapes. After a while we came out of the mountains, and there were trees along both sides of the road, and a stream and ripe fields of grain, and the road went on, very white and straight ahead, and then lifted to a little rise, and off on the left was a hill with an old castle, with buildings close around it, and a field of grain going right up to the walls and shifting in the wind. I was up front with the driver, and I turned around. Robert Cohn was asleep, but Bill looked and nodded his head. Then we crossed a wide plain, and there was a big river off on the right, shining in the sun from between the line of trees, and away off you could see the plateau of Pamplona rising out of the plain, and the walls of the city, and the great brown cathedral, and the broken skyline of the other churches. In back of the plateau were the mountains, and every way you looked there were other mountains, and ahead the road stretched out white across the plain, going toward Pamplona. We came into the town on the other side of the plateau, the road slanting up steeply and dustily with shade trees on both sides, and then leveling out through the new part of town they're building up outside the old walls. We passed the bull ring, high and white and concrete looking in the sun, and then came into the big square by a side street and stopped in front of the Hotel Montoya. The driver helped us down with the bags. There was a crowd of kids watching the car, and the square was hot, and the trees were green, 
and the flags hung on their staffs, and it was good to get out of the sun and under the shade of the arcade that runs all the way around the square. Montoya was glad to see us, and shook hands and gave us good rooms looking out on the square, and then we washed and cleaned up and went downstairs in the dining room for lunch. The driver stayed for lunch, too, and afterward we paid him, and he started back to Bayonne. There are two dining rooms in the Montoya. One is upstairs on the second floor and looks out on the square. The other is down one floor below the level of the square and has a door that opens on the back street that the bulls pass along when they run through the streets early in the morning on their way to the ring. It's always cool in the downstairs dining room, and we had a very good lunch. The first meal in Spain was always a shock with the hors d'oeuvres, an egg course, two meat courses, vegetables, salad, and dessert, and fruit. You have to drink plenty of wine to get it all down. Robert Cohn tried to say he did not want any of the second meat course, but we would not interpret for him, and so the waitress brought him something else as a replacement, a plate of cold meats, I think. Cohn had been rather nervous ever since we had met at Bayonne. He did not know whether we knew Brett had been with him at San Sebastian, and it made him rather awkward. "'Well,' I said, "'Brett and Mike ought to get in tonight.' "'I'm not sure they'll come,' Cone said. "'Why not?' Bill said. "'Of course they'll come.' "'They're always late,' I said. "'I rather think they're not coming,' Robert Cone said. "'He said it with an air of superior knowledge "'that irritated both of us. "'I'll bet you fifty pesetas they're here tonight,' Bill said. "'He always bets when he's angered, "'and so he usually bets foolishly. "'I'll take it,' Cone said. "'Good. You remember it, Jake. Fifty pesetas.' "'I'll remember it myself,' Bill said. "'I saw he was angry and wanted to smooth him down. "'It's a sure thing they'll come,' I said. "'But maybe not tonight.' "'You want to call it off?' Cone asked. "'Nah, why should I? Make it a hundred if you like.' "'All right, I'll take that.' "'That's enough,' I said. "'Or you'll have to make a book and give me some of it.' "'I'm satisfied,' Cone said. He smiled. "'You'll probably win it back at bridge anyway.' "'You haven't got it yet,' Bill said. We went out to walk around under the arcade to the Café Aruna for coffee. Cone said he was going over and get a shave. "'Say,' Bill said to me, "'have I got any chance on that bet?' "'You've got a rotten chance. "'They've never been on time anywhere.' If their money doesn't come, it's a cinch they won't get in tonight. I was sorry as soon as I opened my mouth. But I had to call him. He's all right, I guess. But where does he get this inside stuff? Mike and Brett fixed it up with us about coming down here. I saw Cone coming over across the square. Here he comes. Well, let him not get superior and Jewish. The barbershop's closed. "'Cone said. "'It's not open till four. "'We had coffee at the Aruna, "'sitting in comfortable wicker chairs "'looking off from the cool of the arcade "'at the big square. "'After a while, Bill went to write some letters, "'and Cone went over to the barber shop. "'It was still closed, "'so he decided to go up to the hotel and get a bath, "'and I sat out in front of the cafe "'and then went for a walk in the town. "'It was very hot, "'but I kept on the shady side of the streets, and went through the market and had a good time seeing the town again. 
I went to the Ayuntamiento and found the old gentleman who subscribes for the bullfight tickets for me every year, and he had gotten the money I sent him from Paris and renewed my subscriptions, so that was all set. He was the archivist, and all the archives of the town were in his office. That has nothing to do with the story. Anyway, his office had a green baize door and a big wooden door, and when I went out I left him sitting among the archives that covered all the walls, and I shut both the doors. And as I went out of the building into the street, the porter stopped me to brush off my coat. You must have been in the mortar car, he said. The back of the collar and the upper part of the shoulders were gray with dust. Yeah, from Bayonne. Well, well, he said. I knew you were in a motor car from the way the dust was. So I gave him two copper coins. At the end of the street, I saw the cathedral and walked up toward it. The first time I ever saw it, I thought the facade was ugly, but I liked it now. I went inside. It was dim and dark, and the pillars went high up, and there were people praying, and it smelt of incense, and there were some wonderful big windows. I knelt and started to pray, and prayed for everybody I thought of, Brett and Mike and Bill and Robert Cohn and myself, and all the bullfighters, separately for the ones I liked, and lumping all the rest. Then I prayed for myself again, and while I was praying for myself, I found I was getting sleepy. So I prayed that the bullfights would be good, and that it would be a fine fiesta, and that we would get in some fishing. I wondered if there was anything else I might pray for, and I thought I would like to have some money. So I prayed that I would make a lot of money, and then I started to think how I would make it, and thinking of making money reminded me of the Count, and I started wondering about where he was, and regretting I hadn't seen him since that night in Montmartre, and about something funny Brett told me about him, and as all the time I was kneeling with my forehead on the wood in front of me, and was thinking of myself as praying, I was a little ashamed and regretted that I was such a rotten Catholic, but realized there was nothing I could do about it, at least for a while, and maybe never. But that anyway, it was a grand religion, and I only wished I felt religious, and maybe I would the next time. And then I was out in the hot sun on the steps of the cathedral, and the forefingers and the thumb of my right hand were still damp, and I felt them dry in the sun. The sunlight was hot and hard, and I crossed over beside some buildings and walked back along side streets to the hotel. At dinner that night, we found that Robert Cohn had taken a bath, had had a shave and a haircut and a shampoo and something put on his hair afterward to make it stay down. He was nervous, and I did not try to help him any. The train was due in at nine o'clock from San Sebastian, and if Brett and Mike were coming, they would be on it. At twenty minutes to nine, we were not half through dinner. Robert Cohn got up from the table and said he would go to the station. I said I'd go with him, just to devil him. Bill said he'd be damned if he would leave his dinner. I said we'd be right back. We walked to the station. I was enjoying Cone's nervousness. I hoped Brett would be on the train. At the station, the train was late, and we sat on a baggage truck and waited outside in the dark. I've never seen a man in civil life as nervous as Robert Cone, nor as eager. I was enjoying it. It was lousy to enjoy it, but I felt lousy. Cone had a wonderful quality of bringing out the worst in anybody. After a while, we heard the train whistle way off below on the other side of the plateau, and then we saw the headlight coming up the hill. 
"'we went inside the station "'and stood with a crowd of people "'just back of the gates. "'And the train came in and stopped, "'and everybody started coming out through the gates. "'They were not in the crowd. "'We waited till everybody had gone through "'and out of the station "'had gotten into buses or taken cabs "'or were walking with their friends or relatives "'through the dark into the town. "'I knew they wouldn't come,' Robert said. "'We were going back to the hotel.' "'I thought they might,' I said. "'Bill was eating fruit when we came in "'and finishing a bottle of wine. "'Didn't come, eh?' "'No. "'Do you mind if I give you that hundred pesetas in the morning, Cone?' "'Bill asked. "'I haven't changed any money here yet.' "'Ah, forget about it,' Cone said. "'Let's bet on something else. "'Can you bet on bullfights?' "'You could,' Bill said. "'But you don't need to.' "'It'd be like betting on the war,' I said. "'You don't need any economic interest.' "'I'm very curious to see them,' Robert said. "'Montoya came up to our table. "'He had a telegram in his hand. "'It's for you.' "'He handed it to me. "'It read, "'Stopped Night San Sebastian.' "'It's from them,' I said. "'I put it in my pocket. "'Ordinarily I would have handed it over.' "'They've stopped over in San Sebastian,' I said. "'They send their regards.' "'Why I felt that impulse to devil him, I don't know.' "'Of course I do know. I was blind. "'Unforgivingly jealous of what had happened to him. "'The fact that I took it as a matter of course did not alter that any. "'I certainly did hate him. "'I don't think I ever really hated him "'until he'd had that little spell of superiority at lunch. "'That, and when he went through all that barbering.' "'so I put the telegram in my pocket. "'The telegram came to me anyway. "'Well,' I said, "'we ought to pull out on the noon bus for Burgett. "'They can follow us if they get in tomorrow night.' "'There were only two trains up from San Sebastian, "'an early morning train and the one we had just met. "'That sounds like a good idea,' Cone said. "'The sooner we get on the stream, the better.' "'It's all one to me when we start,' Bill said. "'The sooner the better.' We sat in the Aruna for a while and had coffee and then took a little walk out to the bull ring and across the field and under the trees at the edge of the cliff and looked down at the river in the dark. And I turned in early. Bill and Cone stayed out in the cafe quite late, I believe, because I was asleep when they came in. In the morning I bought three tickets for the bus to Burgett. It was scheduled to leave at two o'clock. There was nothing earlier. I was sitting over at the Aruna reading the papers when I saw Robert Cohn coming across the square. He came up to the table and sat down in one of the wicker chairs. "'This is a comfortable café,' he said. "'Did you have a good night, Jake?' "'Yeah, I slept like a log.' "'I didn't sleep very well. "'Bill and I were out late, too.' "'Yeah, where'd you go?' "'Here. "'And after it shut, we went over to that other café. "'The old man there speaks German and English.' The Café Suzo. Yeah, that's it. He seems like a nice old fella. I think it's a better café than this one. Yeah, it's not so good in the daytime, I said. Too hot. By the way, I got the bus tickets. I'm not going up today. You and Bill go on ahead. I've got your ticket. Give it to me. I'll get the money back. It's five pesetas. 
Robert Cohn took out a silver five peseta piece and gave it to me. I ought to stay, he said. You see, I'm afraid there's some sort of misunderstanding. I'll tell you, I said. They may not come here for three or four days now if they start on parties at San Sebastian. Ah, that's just it, said Robert. I'm afraid they expected to meet me at San Sebastian, and that's why they stopped over. What makes you think that? Well, I wrote suggesting it to Brett. Why in hell didn't you stay there and meet them then? I started to say, but I stopped. I thought that idea would come to him by itself, but I do not believe it ever did. He was being confidential now, and it was giving him pleasure to be able to talk with the understanding that I knew there was something between him and Brett. Well, Bill and I will go up right after lunch, I said. I wish I could go. "'Cone said. "'We've been looking forward to this fishing all winter.' "'He was being sentimental about it. "'But I ought to stay. I really ought. "'As soon as they'll come, I'll bring them right up. "'Let's find Bill. "'I want to go over to the barber shop. "'See you at lunch.' "'I found Bill up in his room. "'He was shaving. "'Oh, yes, he told me all about it last night,' Bill said. "'He's a great little confider. "'He said he had a date with Brett at San Sebastian.' "'The lion bastard!' "'Oh, no,' said Bill. "'Don't get sore. "'Don't get sore at this stage of the trip. "'How did you ever happen to meet this fellow, anyway?' "'Don't rub it in.' "'Bill looked around, half-shaved, half-shaved, "'and then went on talking into the mirror "'while he lathered his face. "'Didn't you send him with a letter to me in New York last winter? "'Thank God I'm a traveling man. "'Haven't you got some more Jewish friends you could bring along?' He rubbed his chin with his thumb, looked at it, then started scraping again. "'You got some fine ones yourself,' I said. "'Oh, yes, I've got some darbs, but not alongside of this Robert Cohn. The funny thing is he's nice, too. I like him. But he's such... Yeah, he can be damn nice.' "'I know it. That's the terrible part.' I laughed. "'Yeah, go on and laugh,' said Bill. "'You weren't out with him last night until two o'clock.' How bad was he? Awful! What's all this about him and Brett? Does she ever have anything to do with him? He raised his chin up and pulled it from side to side. Sure, she went down to San Sebastian with him. What a damn fool thing for her to do! Why did she do that? She wanted to get out of town, and she can't go anywhere alone. She said she thought it would be good for him. What bloody fool things people do! Why didn't she go off with some of her own people? Or you? He slurred that over. Or me? Why not me? He looked at his face carefully in the glass, put a big dab of lather on each cheekbone. It's an honest face. It's a face any woman would be safe with. She'd never seen it. She should have. All women should see it. It's a face that ought to be thrown on every screen in the country. Every woman ought to be given a copy of this face as she leaves the altar. Mothers should tell their daughters about this face. My son, he pointed the razor at me, go west with this face and grow up with the country. He ducked down to the bowl, rinsed his face with cold water, put on some alcohol, and then looked at himself carefully in the glass, pulling down his long upper lip. My God, he said, isn't this an awful face? He looked in the glass. And as for this Robert Cohn, Bill said, "'He makes me sick, and he can go to hell, "'and I'm damn glad he's staying here "'so we won't have him fishing with us.' 
You're damn right. We're going trout fishing in the Arati River, and we're going to get tight now at lunch on the wine of this country, and then take a swell bus ride. Yeah, come on. Let's go over to the Aruna and start now, I said. Thanks for joining us for chapters 9 and 10 of The Sun Also Rises by Ernest Hemingway. I hope you're enjoying the story as much as I am. It's an excellent piece of writing with a lot of good dialogue, and I'm getting to know Pamplona. <laughs> if you enjoy our story and you have a chance, Apple listeners, please do send us a kind review. We'll return next Sunday night at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Until then, everyone, stay safe, and we'll be back soon with 1001 Greatest Love Stories. <laughs> ¶¶